Hey legends, welcome along to Scheme Me Up Body. I'm your host, Rodney Stewart, and we're finishing off Picard Season 2 in this episode. Uh, episode 10 is entitled Farewell, and a tasty, tasty little ender to the season. Uh, of course, at the end of the last episode, the, the new Borg Queen disappeared off of the last arena heading towards the Delta Quadrant and uh, Picard and the gang there now trapped on Earth as well as been trapped in time. So they are going to complete their mission no matter what. They're going to end up perhaps living here the rest of their days and they'll have to live off the, the record if they do. But what they do need to do is to make sure that the future that they knew is corrected and brought back. So uh, at the beginning of this episode, Picard, he recalls uh, a story he had heard of how the, the shadow had been shot up when his family reoccupied it in the 21st century. The bullet holes in the wall from the battle the previous evening were from that battle. So this, on Rios's mind, he's like, you know, does this mean we're on the path to the right future? But, you know, Picard, he's not certain about anything at this point. Um, Rios still thinks on the, the prophecy that Gerardi gave. Gerardi slash the Borg Queen, uh, before they, she left, uh, she gave them a prophecy that uh, there had to be two Renes, one who lives and one who dies. Uh, Rios wonders how such a thing could be possible, really. Uh, Picard looks up at Talon, who appears troubled at the idea of one living and one dying. Uh, throughout the episode, you, you know, in this moment, if you're really paying attention, you kind of know where this is going to go. Um, it was no big shock for me whenever it did go there. And uh, beautifully done. Uh, yeah, great, great. Um, yeah, she looks troubled and says they'll speak on it later. But uh, just then, Seven and Rafi return. Talon asks if they were all set. Uh, she pulls her to her little transporter device and transports them back to her apartment. She opens up the safe and pulls out a device that she says it works like a, their tray quarters. Uh, she hands one to Rafi and another one to Rios. Uh, Seven asks her to check on Sung's GPS. Uh, Rafi sees that the entire fleet of his vehicles are still parked at his house. Uh, Rios knows that there was there that uh, Gerardi slash the Queen was able to hack into the La Serena transporters, which meant Sung has considerable capabilities at his disposal, essentially. Uh, while they investigate Sung's house, Talon would go to the Europa mission launch. Uh, the astronauts' quarantine would end on launch day, and she would transport to the launch site to pass security and the bioscanners at the front lobby. When Picard asks what she plans to do, she says only that she's going to watch out for Rene, uh, as that was what she does. Seven wishes her luck uh, as Talon prepares to transport. Uh, Picard grabs her by the wrist and is taken with her. 
leaving the others wondering what he's doing. So he knows the score. He knows exactly what's going to go down and what she's planning. And he's not willing to let her go through it on her own. Um, right. Um, that's just the opening of the episode. Because I one thing I will say about Star Trek Picard, both season one and season two, um, that's really strange for me because you know there's times I'm watching it and I felt this way with uh, Discovery as well in that first season I kind of felt that there wasn't enough story for 10 episodes or whatever it was and they seemed to be stretching it out just to fill up the time just to get the 10 episodes and it almost felt like you could fit more into it but at the same time there's a lot within the episode. Like, there's a lot to go through. There's a lot happening. But uh, it's a strange balance between, you know, a lot of story and not enough story in a lot of the episodes. Uh, there's quite a bit happens in this one. Um, yes, so over at the, the launch control, uh, the communications uh, are getting ready to launch the mission. Talon and Picard appear outside the base. If Talon asks what he was doing there, Picard bluntly says that he knows what she's trying to do and tries to convince her that she does not have to sacrifice her life for any's. But Talon asks uh, if Gerardi would have any reason to lie and Picard thinks that she would have a thousand as she was not part Borg. Um, my notes aren't making any sense here at all. Anyway, Talon thinks she was more Gerardi at the end. Uh, why was I, I was reading that there. I was reading Gerardi and thinking of Rafi for some weird reason there. Uh, yeah, so my notes were correct. So uh, the Borg Queen, of course, is part of Gerardi now. So Talon is pretty much just like, you know, would she lie to you about this? But uh, Picard's like, you know, there's more Gerardi than the Borg Queen there at the moment. Um, Talon thinks she was... She thinks she was more Gerardi at the end with a view of all possible futures. I'm sorry, guys. I am knackered. So tired. Um, literally, there's notes that have written down for this episode. And I forgot to put full stops on there. Or period is whatever you want to call them. Um... Picard, he makes it clear that he does not believe in prophecy, and even if he did, there were many ways to interpret what Gerardi said, and he says he'll not let her sacrifice herself just because she interpreted it in a certain way. Talon bluntly tells him that uh, he did not get to decide her fate just because he was afraid that she would die. She also understands why he would feel that way, but reminds him that other people's lives were not up to him. And their deaths were not his fault. Uh, not Talon's if it came to that. And not his mother's. Uh, so, yes, of course, Talon and prior episodes was helping Picard. And like, he was knocked into a coma. And she entered his mind to try and help him back out of the coma. And she got to see the... You know, the devastation of his childhood, essentially. Um, yeah, they couldn't control who they would lose 
or spare themselves the pain. But other people's choices were not their own, and this was one Talon had made. I don't need saving, she tells him, and I never have. Uh, meanwhile, over at Sung's house, Sung has instructed the computer controlling the automated drones to target the reaction control thrusters of the uh, X-1 shuttle, that's the Europa mission shuttle, uh, Rios 7 and Rafi transport in, but as they enter his lab, they find the computer is merely playing a recording of his voice, uh, Song's voice, uh, given the instructions. So Seven gets on the computer communicator to Picard, reporting Song was not there. So Picard looks down and he sees why he's at the launch site. Uh, Rafi rages the entire bullshit scenario uh, meant to draw them away from Sung but Rios is more worried about the drones uh, Rafi detects four heat signatures nearby these are the drones uh, opens up the wall there's like a hidden doorway on the wall and there's these drones in there so uh, they will launch in less than four minutes uh, Rafi sees that the system is encrypted and that she could stop it if she still had access to La Serena. You know, with the ship gone, she can't stop a launch. And she realises Sung knew they would find the drones and finds they were rigged with explosives as well. I mean, they try to disable these drones. It doesn't work and the drones launch at some point in the episode. Uh... Talon, we cut back over to her, she's watching the astronauts make their way to the launch pad and looks worried that she does not see Rene with them. So she gets changed into a flight suit and follows them. Uh, meanwhile, Lee, part of the Europa Mission's board of directors, is taking Song around the facility and the doctor asks to meet the astronauts, claiming that he wants to shake their hands or shake the hands of the men and the women who are about to create the future. Uh, when Lee mentions the strict quarantine protocols, Sung angrily asks if his donations to the mission didn't earn him five minutes of FaceTime. So uh, she lets him go, telling him that they were about to suit up. Uh, Talon uses her security card to enter Rennie's changing room and finds her there alone. Uh, Rennie remarks on how the mission was happening, and she was actually ready for it. Uh, she turns to find Talon there, who she does not recognise, asking about, uh, where's Maya at? Why are you wearing her suit? Sort of deal. Um, Talon tries to play it off, saying that Maya wasn't feeling well, but Rennie knows she was not on any of the suit-up crews, and she knew all of them, and also knew why she wearing my uniform again. Um, yeah, so Lee is expressing excitement at the mission, never thinking it would actually happen. Uh, this is the guide taking Sung about. Sung considers the, the attitude terrible, uh, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself, not believing in this is going to happen and whatnot. Putting her down, just trying to get her out of the way. He decides, you know, I'm just going to leave you. That's it. 
screw this. You know, if you don't believe it, I don't want to be about, yeah, no, I'm just going to go my own way here. And off he goes. We cut back over to Rennie and Talon. Rennie asks to know who Talon is. Thinking she has seen her somewhere before. Uh, Talon recalls that as a child, Rennie had put a small spaceship toy into her mother's coffin. And her dream of being an astronaut was motivated by the idea that if she flew out far enough into the stars, she would find her mother there. Talon admits that she had tried to hide herself from Rene, but there were times that she couldn't. And she picks up a small pendant of a sailboat and hands it to Rene, having given it to her after her real sailboat had capsized off Martha's vineyard when she was 10 years old. Talon had also been at the pre-launch gala a couple of nights before and maybe a dozen other glimpses as well. Uh, part of her, however, wanted Rennie to see her, to know she was there. And Rennie had always thought she'd had a guardian angel and she had at least a kind of a guardian in Talon. So it's a beautiful moment for Talon in this episode. Um, she's a watcher her whole mission is to make sure that one person achieves what they're supposed to achieve in life and they're you know keep people safe that sort of deal but they're only supposed to watch they're not meant to be seen but she has considered Rene as her own daughter in a way she's got a massive deep feelings for this woman um that uh, plays out in a major way in this episode. So uh, we cut to Picard. He's wa- he watches Sun heading for the astronaut quarters. Tannen in Rennie's room uh, tells her that all she wants is for her to board that ship and asks Rennie to trust her. Sun enters the hallway outside her changing room just as Rennie emerges in a panic, uh, she appears glad to see Sung approaching, talking about a crazy woman who claims to be a guardian from space or a guardian angel. Uh, Sung assures her it was alright, and he has her accompany him to find help. So as they're heading down the stairs, Sung calls security to go to the suit-up room upstairs, just as Rennie begins to stagger in pain. Uh, Sung smugly pulls a thin layer of skin dosed with neurotoxin from his hand assuring her that it was fast and fatal so this is the the end game for him uh, he's going to take out Rene to take out the future but uh, while this is going on back at his house the crew continues to try to bypass the systems and Sung's house. Just then, the drones began to launch in staggered intervals, and Sung had programmed them that way to ensure that at least one of them got off the ground. So, you know, he's covered all his bases here. If he can't, if he couldn't take Rene out himself, at least the drones would take out the ship and the mission would be cancelled. Um, Rafi continues to work the game manual control finally succeeds with one of the drones this gives Rios full control over the drone and Seven tells him to take out the rest of them so you know he just he uh, pretty much 
knocks all the drones out of the air with the drone he's in control of and uh, whenever it's just two drones left he collides with the other one taking them all out so the drones are out of the picture now uh, Sung thinks he has got Rennie poisoned and uh, yeah Picard looks up uh, we cut back over to him he looks up to see Rennie stagger out calling him by name as she collapses and Picard asks was there some medical technology to save her but she says it was far too late uh, Rennie this Rennie is actually Talon uh, disguised you know I don't even know if they actually properly uh, they did kind of you know uh, Picard mistaked Talon for you know he was going to know if she was Romulan like his housekeeper the woman he's fallen in love with at this point um, you know, I just got distracted by season 3 now when I said that uh, if you've seen season 3 you probably know what I'm getting at uh, but anyway we're not going to go that far yet we're just going to continue on in this episode but she had this way of hiding her ears her Romulan ears like she looked human uh, but uh, she gave Picard the opportunity you know, I was inside your mind and whatnot. Picard was looking to, you know, you know more about me than I know about you, kind of thing. So she's like, "Well, I can give you this much," and she pulls her hair back, and uh, that's like a hollow deck for lugs. Let's <laughs> just say it's like, like hollow deck, hollow deck technology, uh, where it's hiding her ears and that sort of thing. I don't even know what you would call it. But, uh, yes, uh, whatever this little device is, she said she was going to be stuck the rest of the day. You know, she's going to have to cover her ear now because she can't disguise it anymore. So this same technology was used to transform her face into that of Rene. And she sacrifices herself in Rene's place so that uh, she can get on the mission and change the future for the better. Um yeah, so there's no technology to save her. It's far too late. Uh, let's just call it masking technology, shall we? Uh, Talon tells Picard she needs to see the launch, you know, hearing the rumbling of the engines. Picard tells her, as his mother had told him long ago, to look up. Uh, lovely little moment uh, Talon does, seeing the rocket launch. Um relieved beyond belief to see it and she then admits she understands Picard better now remarking on how his guilt had saved planets countless lives for the one he couldn't save and she also admits that she finally revealed herself to Rene and told her the truth in hopes that Rene will remember her and know she had been worth all the effort she tells Picard he had helped her do that and tells him to absolve himself of any guilt uh, or the only life unsaved would be his own. And she says that her eyes were so beautiful. It's her last words as she dies, remarking about Rene. Uh, yeah, so she dies contented that she filled out 
her job 100%. She was there to protect her, get her to the launch. She managed it, sacrificing herself in the line of duty. Uh, yeah. So anyway, back inside the ransacked lab, a drink in his hand, some watches the news and television. As there any reports, they were away at last on the wings of those who came before us. She says, holding a sailboat pendant, Talon had given her. Europa, here we come. Uh, now realising that his future was not to be, Sung hurls the drink out of his hand, which smashes into the nearby cabinet. Suddenly, he hears something from his computer. To his horrified rage, he sees it all. His computer files are rapidly being deleted. It's his daughter, Corey, uh, the one that he artificially grew himself. Uh, you know, he's into the, the genetics and going against all the rules and laws. And now he was banned from, you know, uh, he was banned from working on this sort of stuff. Uh, but now he's starting to lose all his files because of her taking her revenge on him. Uh, yeah, so Sung asks, you know, she's talking to him through like this little headset from the public library. Sung asks what she had done, and she says, made a new future for both of us, and this is for my sisters. The computer then reports a 100% file deletion. Uh, the whole lot's gone, system's been purged, he's now left with nothing until a thought occurs to him and he opens up a drawer in his desk pulling out a confidential report from Sung Dynamics dated June 7th, 1996, Project Can. So we're connecting the dots to Can in this series as well. So that's all you get, really, you know, like Sung's... Uh, been defeated as plans are in ruins but you know he's going to still work towards the whole you know, he's going to take whatever he has from the history of Khan and use that to start working again so there's a lot of stuff in this series that you know you get little uh, ideas of you know little uh, Fred's a story that could be picked up somewhere else along the line and maybe in some other spin-off series we might see more of this character in that time period but not now uh, yeah like series, season 3 definitely didn't pick up on any of these loose ends from season 2 uh, meanwhile Corey is alert, alerted to a message on her laptop uh, that says curious what's next question mark watch and observe it tells her before giving her an address uh, in Los Angeles to go to Corey arrives there in a public park and hears footsteps behind her thinking that was probably Q she begins to tell him off about his games but it proves to be a much younger looking man who assures her that they were very different and then Wesley Crusher turns up of course, uh, you know, everybody, the main characters of the next generation, all got a little face time in here. And of course, Wesley turns up at one point. And of course, he knows who Q was, and he's like, I'm not, 
and often like um, we're completely different. Um, uh, he greets her by name. Then when she asks who he is, uh, he said it was a very long and complicated story. But she's like, she's got nothing pressing. So he begins by saying he'd once been known as Wesley Crusher, but now he's a traveller of all space and time. So it wasn't that long to tell the story, really, at the end of the day. Hey, it was just, uh, yeah, I have to be honest, I laughed whenever he just, yeah, it's a long and complicated story. And then whenever she presses him, he's like, in basically one sentence, he's like, I used to be this, now I'm that. Um, so uh, uh, Corey thinks it has to be a joke, but Wesley replies that the last time he told a joke, he inadvertently changed a century's worth of history. So he tries not to be misunderstood. He goes on to say that he's kind of dispatched supervisors to watch over the grand tapestry of history, which has always freds pull away from total annihilation. Uh, a star can be born, but a ship lost, one species thriving where civilization collapses. And he admits that the tricky part was knowing when to step in. So, you know, the travellers and uh, the watchers and everything are all connected. So, uh, interesting. Um, he tells Corey that she has two paths before. One would lead to a perfectly normal life, where the other would lead to everything else. But I can't guarantee your safety. Uh, he's recruiting her to become a traveller, just as he had been... Corey replies that she had never been safe in her life and she chooses to go with him. Uh, he welcomes her as a traveller and they both disappear in a transporter beam. Uh, back at the Picard Chateau, uh, Ricardo flies as rocket through the house while Rios collects all the future equipment they brought with them to ensure that no butterfly effect would change the future. Uh, he's seven of nine and Rafi realised that there'd probably be no return to the future so that they would have to live in the 21st century. I already said that at the beginning of the podcast. This was a real uh, possibility. Seven wonders what they would do, you know, how money would work. Uh, Rios suggests going to Los Angeles, which Rafi jokingly calls presumptuous. Uh, Rios figures... Maybe he should ask uh, first, you know, talking about the the kid and the doctor, the the, the doctor that he's fallen in love with in the series. And again, there, there's no shocks with what happens with Rio Rios at the end of this episode. You've seen it coming a while away. Um, yeah, so. Uh, yeah, he's intent on staying in this time period. He's not. If they do get a chance to go back, he's not going with them. Um, Seven also remarks that she's never seen Rios so happy. Uh, Rafi asks Seven if she was okay with the idea of staying. Seven thinks she might just be better than okay. Uh, yeah, so Rafi's wondering, you know, is Seven done running from her bored past? where she could focus on herself for a change while not wanting Seven to feel like she had to spend every waking moment with her. Um, 
Seven cuts her off mid-sentence with a kiss. Uh, Rafi asks what she meant. Seven laughingly tells her to just let it breathe. Uh, so, uh, we're tying up all the loose ends that we can at the end of this episode. Uh, Picard is up in the outside the room that his mother was originally locked in whenever he was a kid and he takes the, the skeleton key that he had found the night before and uh, he puts it into the, the hidden spot in the wall there's a little brick that comes out and the key goes in and it's hidden there, a little hiding place so uh, he covers it up again and we hear Q saying bravo destiny left for the little boy you'll be in the future to find. Uh, Picard goes to the solarium to find Q sitting there, alone across in an orange chair with his head bowed. Uh, Q knows Picard had considered destroying the key and asks that if a younger Picard had not found it, would he still have grown up to, with his mother? Would the shame have instantly lifted? But Picard had not destroyed the key and had chosen to accept his fate, accepting who he was and chosen who he was, a sort of absolution. And uh, because he had, Q thinks that perhaps he might be considered worthy enough for someone else to choose. So uh, what Q wanted to do in this whole episode, or this whole series more or less, is take Picard on that journey so they can forgive himself and finally let someone else into his life. Uh, I'm not going to go word for word in their conversation here. It's a fantastic moment between these two characters, this back and forth. Um, the series finishes off kind of similar to uh, season one whenever Picard had that moment with Data and the afterlife sort of a deal. So where you had him and Data in the f at the end of the first season, you've got now got him and Q at the end of this one, and it's a similar sort of back and forth. Um, but uh, Picard is now in a place where he can hopefully let someone in, and Q says, you know, he's going to die. Q's going to die alone, and... I don't, he doesn't want that for Picard, essentially. So it is a nice, heartfelt moment. But as we know, if you skip ahead on the season three, this is not the end for Q. We're going to see him one more time at the end of season three. But uh, at the end of this, that's, that's great. That's great. Um, Q says the time was almost up and that he had one last surprise in store. So Picard heads into the living room. Seven looks up and asks what was wrong. Picard replies, nothing's wrong. Quite, indeed quite the opposite. He leads him outside the shadow. They find Q there. Rafi's ready to kick the face off him because, uh, you know, he had uh, everything that he's done here. Elnor died during it and she's blaming Q for this um, but uh, he's like you know I'm going to send you back home 
and uh, at this point Rios speaks up. He wants to stay there, and uh, he knows what he's doing. He's fought it through and whatnot. Uh, Picard kind of reluctantly agrees to it, and uh, this frees up a little bit more energy for Q. You know, he's got one last thing he wants to do, send him back to the future, but he says... There's going to be another surprise now with a little bit of extra power that I've got here for you. So he transports them back to the future. Um, they find themselves back aboard the Stargazer Bridge and 2401 with the Borg Queen taking control of the ship. Ten seconds from the auto-destruct sequence activating. And uh, this little song starts playing that Picard... Picard's mother played for him whenever he was a kid to calm him. So he starts to realise what's going on now and uh, he cancels the self-destruct. Uh, the crew stand down knowing what he does about the Queen. Picard tells the crew to let her proceed and mentions he had once told a friend about what that song had meant to him and why he did not have time to teach them the words he believes the Queen has had 400 years to consider them. Haven't you, Doctor, he says. Uh, the Queen disengages the, the tentacles from the consoles and retracts the mask over her face and reveals herself as Gerardi. So, uh, Picard's glad to see this familiar face and that she understands what he had told her about the song and he claims that Candom is a boy and uh, Gerardi replies, oh, she hoped that it would calm him now. Uh, he now sees why she sent the signal. Once she knew that he would understand and asked if it was still Gerardi in there, she replies that she is, at least in part. But if they did not act, many would die uh, in the here and now. Uh, Picard asks what the threat is, you know, this huge energy thing that they have just come out of as, you know, uh, they have turned up to save the, not the entire universe, but the, the vast majority of the, the system that they're in now, there's another energy hole, let's just say, that's about to erupt, and whenever that, you know, puts out whatever the energy, discharges the energy, it's going to destroy everything, kill millions of people. So what the Borg want to do here, Gerardi's Borg want to do here, is uh, get all of Starfleet ships together and harmonize the, the shields along with their own ship to stop this energy surge from destroying everything. Which they managed to do, uh, yeah. So, Seven instructs to heal the fleet, telling Picard is authorized, giving the Queen control, and orders the crews not to resist. Agnes, be brilliant, she says, always, Gerardi replies. Um, so, yeah, they managed to save everybody by stopping this beam of energy, killing everybody. So uh, I'm skipping across my notes here, because I'm talking longer than I was expecting to talk in this podcast. Um, yeah, the 
They just had witnessed the creation of a transwarp conduit, essentially, but not a kind that the Queen's familiar with. She explains that even the knowledge of the Borg Collective, she did not know who created it, but believes it to be part of a greater puzzle, connected to some kind of a threat. So she asks for provisional membership and the Federation so that her and her Borg can be a guardian to get, essentially. Uh, the Stargazer returns to Earth and the crew takes advantage of the hospital. They have 10 forward. Uh, Gainan apologizes for not being able to tell Picard sooner about what he had gone on, uh, but knew that if she guided him right and set him straight, he would circle around eventually. She also thanks him for setting her straight back in 2024, and she notes that he had always been more clever than observant, gesturing to a picture nearby on the wall that she had needlessly worried about Picard potentially noticing when he had gifted her the wine. And it was a picture of Rios and Teresa. Uh, they had begun a medical movement together. Um, the Mariposas, I want to say, Spanish for butterflies, and that he had led them through hard times and she had helped whoever needed help whenever they had needed it. Um, yeah, so Ricardo grew up to lead a team of scientists that used the alien organism that his auntie Rene discovered during the Europa mission to reverse the deterioration of Earth's environment. Uh, they would all visit the bar whenever they were in town. And Gaiden also remarks that Teresa could drink Rios under the table. Uh, of course, Picard asks, you know, he gets curious, uh, how, did, how did the end for them? Um, Teresa had loved to an extended old age, but Rios had been killed late in life in a bar fight in Morocco over medical supplies, and his last breath, appropriately, and a cigar, he died as he had lived. Uh, so yeah, Picard takes a pair of drinks from the bar, hands one to Eleanor, raising a toast to family, then he says, because that's what we are, after all. With that toast, Picard tells him, there's somewhere that he has to to be and uh, yeah he says his goodbyes and he leaves returning to his the Picard Chateau and uh, he finds bags packed in the hallway before seeing Lara stand alone in the solarium she had had the one that was restored before she left to give him something to look back on uh, Picard admits that he had had enough of looking back and decided to look forward from now on instead and he asks her where she was going, and she answers that she is intended to find adventures of her own. Taking her hands, Picard, thinking on the lessons that he had learned in the past, says that while time could not give second chances, perhaps people could. Laris looks relieved at this as they stand hand in hand, and they begin to talk, and the view pans away outside the house and up under the stars and we close out the final episode and season two. Absolutely fantastic. Now, I'm going to apologise now at the end of this podcast for the actual state of it because I had lost my way in my notes so many times there. As I said, this uh, show, 
So there's a lot going on in the episodes. There really is, particularly in season one and season two. Season three gets a little bit more classic Star Trekky and the storytelling. There's not as much. It's entertaining as all hell, season three. Absolutely love it. That's what the fans were looking for. Classic Star Trek set in like a modern time, but with that classic kind of feel to it. And it's really weird for me talking about the next generation as classic Star Trek now because, you know, I'm old enough to remember the next generation Aaron for the very first time on TV. But, uh, yeah. Right. Again, I'm going to apologise for any of the mishaps throughout this episode. I'm too tired. It's late at night. I um, I should have been in bed over an hour ago to get to get rested for work in the morning. Uh, but it is what it is. I'll learn to manage my time better some of these days. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, rate and review the show, share it along. Let me know your feelings. You can email me directly at schemeupbody at gmail.com or you can check out the website for everything else I'm doing, coinsagemedia.com. And I think that's all I've got for this episode. So until the next one, guys, stay safe and I'll talk to you all then. This has been a production of Coins Age Media. Thank you so much for listening.